In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This week's gospel passage is a stark contrast in comparison to the passage that we have spent our time in for the last two weeks. For the last two weeks, we have been in the fourth chapter of the Gospel of Luke, and we have read what is often called the rejection of Jesus at the temple. Jesus returns back to his hometown. You probably remember this from the last two weeks. Jesus comes into the synagogue. The scroll is given to him as he goes up to read. They give him the scroll of Isaiah. He opens it up to what we know to be the 61st chapter of the prophet Isaiah, and he begins to read this passage that describes what the Messiah will be like. And then he sits down amongst the crowd, and he tells them that among them, this prophecy has been fulfilled. And at first, everyone is okay with it. They're amazed by his graceful words. They are totally on board. But if you remember Judah's sermon from last week, she talked to us about the anger and rage that filled their hearts when Jesus began to talk to them and tell them that their ancestors before them had missed the point and that they were in danger of missing the point too. I believe Judith called it a mob mentality took over. And they took Jesus and they began to drive him out of the synagogue and they took him out to the edge of the city to a cliff and they were ready to hurl him off. But it was not yet his time and so he passed in between them to safety. It's interesting, we're only a couple of verses now ahead in chapter 5 and a new crowd is responding to the message of Jesus but their response is totally different. This crowd of people might have begun small, but Jesus is going from town to town, from synagogue to synagogue, and he is teaching, and the crowd has grown large, and they are pressing in on Jesus, not because they want to hurl him off a cliff, but because they are interested to hear the things that he has to say. And Jesus is in front of this lake, And they keep pressing in on him, and he keeps going back until his heels are likely touching the edge of the water. There's nowhere else for him to go. I love the comparison of the last two weeks to this week, because in it, what is revealed, at least to me, is that there are at least two kinds of reactions to the gospel. In other words, I I like to think that the gospel is for everyone, and I believe in my heart that the gospel is for everyone. And yet, some people are repulsed by it. Some people are not drawn in, and I have to wonder why. How is this not good news for everyone? The thing is, is that the gospel is squarely on the side of those who need liberation, The gospel is squarely on the side of those who have been marginalized and pushed out and and forsaken by society. The gospel is good news to those people who need liberation. But the gospel sounds an awful lot like bad news to the people who have created systems and participated in systems that gain from wealth, power, privilege at the expense of other people. Now, I don't think that those two groups are equal. There's probably a lot more people in the liberation side than there are in the oppressor side. 
But it is no wonder that we get two different responses, at least two different responses. And yes, these are huge umbrellas, right? There's a million different micro expressions and micro responses underneath these. But we have to realize that our church will never be filled with every person in the world all wanting to hear it at the same time because for some, for some the gospel is hard to swallow because it makes them repent. And the truth is, is that it makes all of us repent, hopefully, of all of our participation in systems that sometimes that we are not even aware of, that we are participating in, that hurt the earth, that hurt our neighbor. And when we become aware of these things, when we truly hear the gospel and become aware, the deal is, is that we are supposed to ask for forgiveness, repent, and then press again on Jesus, tell us more. Because the things that you have already told us have led us to liberation, and we know we need to be liberated more. Now, of course, the danger is, is that there are more than one way to preach the gospel. And I have heard more than my fair share of preachers who like to turn the gospel into a message of prosperity, of individualism, of into self-protection and self-preservation, And certainly that type of preaching can draw a certain type of crowd in that is interested in their own self-survival. But I think this Sunday is an excellent time when we'll have our annual business meeting in about an hour to ask the question of what kind of gospel are we preaching here at Church of Reconciliation? Are we preaching a gospel of liberation, of repentance, of forgiveness, Are we calling the people who are hungry and sick to this table, or are we preaching a gospel that only attracts people who look like us and believe like us and fills our pews with people that make us feel safe? The truth is, is that there are two responses to the gospel, and the gospel that I hope that we continue to preach here is one that calls us to forgiveness, to repentance, and ultimately to liberation, not only of ourselves, but in participation of the liberation of all people. And so Jesus is on this shore side. He is looking around. There's nowhere else for him to go. The back of his feet are getting wet. You ever got a pair of Birkenstocks wet? It's not comfortable. (laughs) He's looking around. How in the world do I continue this conversation? And he looks over, and at this point, There are no disciples. He has not called them. And he sees Simon. And Simon has already been working all night. But he asks Simon to take him out into the water. And this is really an ingenious move. I don't know if you've ever been to the beach or to the lake. If you go out into the water about knee deep, and then you try to talk to people on the shore, all of a sudden it's like you're talking into a microphone. The water carries your voice. And so Jesus goes out just a little bit, onto this boat. The crowd is able to come all the way up to the edge of the water, and Jesus begins to preach to them and teach to them until he's done teaching, until he runs out of things to say, and the crowd begins to disperse. I love that, I love that Simon said yes to taking Jesus out. It was truly an act of hospitality, because I keep wanting to call him Peter. He gets renamed Peter. But Simon had already worked all night and was likely exhausted. And as I was reading this passage this week, I couldn't help but think of my own time in the service industry. I don't know if any of you have ever worked in the service industry, 
But truly, those hours can be so exhausting. For four years, while I was an undergrad, I worked uh, at a barbecue restaurant serving tables. And I would get there at about 3.30 in the afternoon, and I'd get my clothes changed, and I'd put on my non-slip shoes. I'd sit down with my coworkers over on the far side of the restaurant, and we would get a quick meal. And then we would go out on the floor, and we would deal with demanding people for like five or six hours. Nothing was ever right that we brought out. And we would be on our feet, and we'd be passing back and forth between the kitchen and, and the floor, going back into extreme heat, getting sprayed by the people washing, uh, washing the plates and the dishes, being soaking wet, covered in barbecue sauce. And by about 9 or 9.30, we would start doing what's called side work. Side work is where you begin to prepare for the next day. And so we would take the freshly cleaned uh, silverware and we would roll them up in napkins and then put these little kind of uh, adhesive things around them to keep them tight. We would wash our tables and we'd refill our barbecue sauces. We called it marrying them. It's such a weird term, but we'd put the sauce from other bottles in until we only had one empty bottle and then we would just refill that one to the top. And we'd wipe all the sticky barbecue sauce off of everything. And during this time, you're also praying, God, please don't let anyone else come in this restaurant. I have done so much work here. It's ready for tomorrow. And by 9.30, at the time I was working in Lakeland, Florida, and I just say, God, take away the hunger of everyone in Lakeland, Florida. From 9.30 on, and this restaurant that I worked at was called Sonny's Barbecue, and it was right in the middle point between Orlando and Tampa. And so we would get tons and tons of tourist traffic coming home from Disney. And almost without fail, each and every night, about five minutes before closing, a person would stick their head in the door and say, are you guys still open? And we would say, yes, of course, we're open till 10. And then much to our dread, we would see them turn around and go, guys, they're still open. And like 15 people would come in. When I read this passage this morning, I feel the exhaustion of Simon. When Jesus asks him, after he's already worked all night, and after he sat on this boat while Jesus teached, and while they've already washed their nets, they're ready to go home and sleep, Jesus tells them, let's go back out into the deep water and cast down the nets one more time. I feel Simon's exhaustion, but I also love his answer because he tells Jesus, matter-of-factly, Jesus, we have been out. We have caught nothing. And I don't know if you know this, but we're professional fishermen. We know what we're doing. But yet, if you tell us to go back out, we will go. This is perhaps the most appropriate passage that you and I could read today on the Sunday where we will hold our annual business meeting. The church has been around for over 2,000 years. Many of you might feel like you've been here for 2,000 years. You've served on Altar Guild and you've cleaned up these grounds. You've arrived early and opened up this building. You've set up coffee hour. You've showed up for annual business meetings and you've filled that pantry out there. You watched as this labyrinth was built. You've served your time here, and maybe today you are feeling exhausted. You have done your share. You've worked all night. You are ready to go home. And yet, at the most inconvenient times, Jesus shows up in our midst and says, 
Let's go back out. And not just into the shallow waters, but into the deep waters. Let's go back out and try the thing that you have tried so many times before and caught nothing. And yet, with me in your midst, the result will be different. And somehow, Simon knew, believing that this Messiah, this teacher that he had experienced, possessed the power to produce a different result, that it was worth taking the chance. This morning, I am excited that we are here together, and I know that some of you are exhausted. Gosh, I'm exhausted after the last two years of dealing with a global pandemic and ever-changing protocols and procedures, and yet I can't help but notice that God has shown up in our midst. And I think if we continue listening carefully, we might just hear Jesus call us again, go out into the deep waters and cast your nets down. Amen.